listening to another hope-filled message from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. If you haven't met me, my name is Luke, as Craig said, and I'm excited to be here. I bring greetings from the land of the long white cloud, where there seems to be a lot of cloud all the time. Any Kiwis in the house? Kelda, Kelda. And uh, we're having a great time over in New Zealand, and I just honestly love coming to life, whatever campus it may be, because God is moving. And just right from the outset, I want to take a moment to encourage you. Maybe it's your first time here, you're one of our guests, and you're a part of our family today, or maybe, like myself, you've been in church for a long time. I'm believing that today God would speak to you. Uh, I'm thankful we don't just have a church that has uh, a happy clappy club on a Sunday where we get to do a bit of Christian karaoke and then have some coffee and then be done with it and and be ready for the the week ahead. But actually, we come to meet with God. And in this series, A Matter of Conversation, we've had some incredible messages. And I I guess I want to just dovetail in on what God has already been doing. And if you've missed any of the weeks, then this is the great thing about the 21st century in Christianity. You can jump online and get the podcast for free. You don't have to pay $5 for a CD anymore. And if you bought a CD, chances are your car doesn't have a CD player anyway. But uh, I want to encourage you to get these messages into your spirit because as Christians, evangelism is 101 to our faith. The reality is every single one of us sitting here today, everyone listening to this message online through the podcast needs to realize that it was because of someone else that we are now here. You know, I'm 33 years of age. I made a decision at three years old at a kid's camp. And growing up, I kind of didn't know whether that story was true or whether my mom was just telling me fibs. But now that I have young kids and I got to lead my daughter at the age of three in the car on the way home from church one day through the salvation prayer, I knew that was legit for me back then because she fully knew what was going on. And I'm thankful for what God's done in my life, but I've come to realize that it was people like you and I that stood in the gap. For us, and you may be, well, no, you may be here saying, no, 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 I just, I was driving on the motorway and I saw that big sign, you know, Life Melbourne, Mark Street, and I, I came on my own accord. Good on you, but you need to understand that for years people have been praying for you. They may not know you by name, they may not know your story, but at the end of the day, as a church, we believe in standing the gap, in the gap for other people. But I've been challenged because I've been a Christian for 30 years. I've been challenged in this series because it's not just about this corporate idea that as a church we should stand in the gap, but as individuals, Bible-believing, Jesus-following Christians, we need to realize that God's asking us individually to think, who is it in my world that I need to pray for? Who is it in my world I need to pluck up the courage and share my story with? Who is it in my world that I need to go there with when it comes to a matter of conversation. And so I, I, I'm going to, I guess, park in this passage of Scripture. It's found in Luke 15. We're going to read from verses 1 to 7. And it's in your Bible, probably known as the parable of the lost sheep. The parable of the lost sheep. But I want you to see what it says here in the New Living Translation. Luke 15, verse 1. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners... Anyone know a notorious sinner in their life? Anyone a fan of the tax collector? Nope. (laughs) Tax collectors and notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. Wait, what? (laughs) 
people that ripped people off, people that people in society despised, people that weren't just sinners, but notorious sinners. What's a notorious sinner? I don't know, a sinner that loves to listen to rap music, maybe. (laughs) A notorious sinner, someone that continually sins, that goes to the worst degree. People that would be of opposite faith to you and I. Let's put it that way. People that did not believe in Jesus or the message he brought often came to hear his conversation. What was it about Jesus that caused society that did not believe in the Word of God, the hope of all humanity, what was it about Jesus that caused those people to want to often come and hear him? When we talk about a matter of conversation, as Pastor Paul spoke a few weeks ago, as Craig's been speaking into, I think Jesus had this down pat, the circle Pastor Paul used that Pastor Craig was talking about, where he had unconditional love. There was no doubt there was undeniable grace. And then he lived, because he was the Word of God, with an uncompromised truth. The people you work with, the people... I live with, I do life with, you do life with, are they often wanting to hear about what you believe? Are they at a place where they're often interested to have a matter of conversation? Because if they're not, then potentially you and I have a bit of a journey to go in living as Jesus lived. So it says, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to hear Jesus teach. Watch verse two. This made the Pharisees and teachers of the religious law complain. This made them complain that Jesus himself would be associating with such sinful, such despicable people. He goes on to say, even that he would go and have a meal with them, God forbid. (laughs) That Jesus would not only talk to sinners, but eat with them. Here we have Jesus, the Son of God, the Word of God, the hope of all humanity, hanging and doing life, dining with notorious sinners, the people no one really was a fan of in society, the tax collectors. And on the other side, we have the Christians. We have the church-going, Bible-believing Christians, the Pharisees, the teachers, the religious leaders, looking at Jesus, remember, the Word of God, (laughs) the hope of all humanity, salvation in flesh. The Christians are complaining about God saving people conversating with people. Let's for a moment never fit into the camp of the Christians that complain about people wanting to save lost people. Come on, this is not just a church on a Sunday where you can get planted. I hope you do. But I hope this is a church on Sunday where you feel a part of the family, you get encouraged, but you get a kick like I get a kick to go out and make a difference with what God's done in our lives. Because Jesus is not wanting us to sit there and fall short of the opportunity we have with our life here and now to make a difference through a matter of conversation. So Jesus models how it's to be done. But the danger for you and I is you will encounter people, I will encounter people, Pharisees, Christians, teachers of the religious law, that won't agree with how you go about helping people discover Jesus. Oh, how could you be a Christian and have a tattoo? My gosh, that is not on. (laughs) Oh, you're not going to get to heaven if you're going to hang out with those people. But Jesus said, hey, guys, let's just for a moment stop and realize, and this is what he says, he he works in parables. What's a parable? It's a story. 
Jesus taught in stories to give us the wisdom of heaven in a very practical way here on earth. And so Jesus knows all, so he knows that the Christians are complaining that the Word of God is bringing salvation to people that need it. And he says, hey, hey, let's just stop for a moment here. Verse 4, if it was you who had 100 sheep and one of them strayed away and they went into the wilderness, wouldn't you go look for it? Like if it was yours, you would go, right? It's like plain and simple. Wouldn't you leave the 99 and search for the lost one until you found it? Then when you found it, wouldn't you joyfully carry that bad boy on your shoulders? And would you come back to home and call in all of your neighbors, call in all of your friends and rejoice with them? Why? Because you found your lost sheep. See, the difference between the two camps that we find is Jesus saw people as his responsibility. The Christians did not. The Pharisees, the teachers of religious law, the professional Christians saw lost and hurting people as not their responsibility, but God's, the churches, the pastors, the person who's been a Christian longer than I have. Whatever the excuse may be, we are in danger of not seeing lost people as our own. And so Jesus taught and he says, hey, realize if it was yours, it would be you that went after it. When you arrived home, you'd be so excited, and I love this because I've discovered this in my own life. When I am attached to someone else coming to know Christ, it rejuvenates my Christianity to a whole new level because there is nothing greater than seeing a lost person found. It goes on in verse 7. I love this. Hey, just remember, in the very same way that you would rejoice because the sheep has been found, watch it now. In the same way, heaven will be happier over one lost sinner who returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and have not strayed away. Heaven, all of heaven rejoices when one returns home. Maybe here today you haven't had the opportunity to have a relationship with Jesus. In a couple of moments, I'm going to pray a prayer. I'd love to include you. But I want you to understand that heaven will be more stoked with you saying yes to the greatest relationship you'll ever have a relationship with Jesus, then every single one of us that's a Christian here doing the church thing. But on the same side or the same level of importance, you and I as Christians need to know that what makes God happy is when we have a heart. And not just a heart, but an action to have a matter of conversation and see lost people found. If you're looking for a title because you're taking notes, you want to get to heaven, then it's simply this, search and rescue. Search and rescue. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness in our lives. We, we thank you that as your word declares, where two or three are gathered under your name, you are in the midst. Yep. And right now, whether it's our first time in an environment like this, or we're a seasoned Christian, so to speak, Lord God, I pray you'd speak to us through this word. Lord God, that our hearts would be open to receive what you have. I pray this wouldn't just be another message I preach. Another thought that we hear, Lord God, but you would speak right to us and that it would empower us to live as you've called us to live. We thank you for your goodness and grace towards our lives. We pray that you would have your way in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. I don't know if you've ever lost something valuable to you. Not talking about something you can replace, but something that actually matters. Maybe 
you parked your car in a three, four-storey car park and forgot to check what level it was on. <laughs> Took you a while to find it. Maybe you're that type of person who likes to lose their car keys. And that's not a great feeling either. I'll never forget growing up, I, I, I followed basketball because of Michael Jordan. And uh, that was good. And I used to collect basketball cards. That was back in the day when it was cool to collect basketball cards. And I've still got them. Well, I say I've still got them, but I'm a bit of a hoarder and my wife's the opposite. So I'm praying they're still in the garage somewhere, but there's a good chance they're not. But I remember getting a card that was worth, at the time, about $1,500. The pack of cards cost whatever, $5.99, but the card was worth a lot, and I can't remember how, but I managed to lose it, and that was not a great feeling. I remember every time I had pocket money come in to my pocket, I would go out and buy another pack of those same cards to try and find that valuable card and through I would say a miracle, I managed to get it, and I'm still hoping it's in the garage now I think about it, but uh, it was of value to me. As a parent, I've kind of graduated, and now things that are of valuable to my kids become very valuable to me. If you're a parent, you'll understand this concept, because there are going to be some worse days than others, and in those moments where your kids decide to lose the plot, you are looking for the thing that soothes them. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. If you're not a parent, this is a great tip. Okay, make sure you latch on early to the thing that your child latches on to. Now, in our household, with all of our kids, it's been soft toys. But our oldest, Ruby, who is now six years old, uh, developed an affection early on for the soft toy that is now officially known as Bun Buns. This is Bun Buns. As you can see, Bun Buns is very well loved. Uh, to the first glance, it's not that much and probably should be thrown out in the rubbish, but this is no ordinary soft toy. This is Bun Buns. Bun Buns is there when she goes to sleep. The ears are worn because when she was a really, really young little toddler, she used to kiss the ears until she fell asleep. And now the thing has traveled all over the place and is very well worn down. Well, one particular day, we were actually in Vancouver, Canada, because my wife's family is from there, and Bun Buns came along. And this was before uh, Cruz, the little man-child, was born, and so we had the two girls, and we went to a mall. If you've ever been to a mall over there, uh, you know, they're a little bit larger than the malls this side of the world, like seven stories. Each story takes a good half a day to get around, but Melissa had some shops she wanted to go to, so we all went, and there's a good food court there. We, so we spent three or four hours there. And as we got back into the car, I hear a little voice pop up from behind my seat. Dad, where's Bun Buns? Pardon? Dad, where's Bun Buns? Oh, he'll be there somewhere, bud. Just have a look. He's probably falling down the car seat. I can't find Bun Buns! <laughs> Ruby, chill down. Bun Buns will be there. No, Dad, I can't see him anywhere. So before I reverse out of the car park, I... Do what every parent does and trying to find the suitor, you know, because it's about to go down if I don't find Bun Buns. I'm looking around the car. I can't find it anywhere. Did you find him? Not yet, bud. <laughs> I start to get the panics going. She's like, where is Bun Buns? I'm like, well, where did you put him? I didn't put him anywhere. Where's Bun Buns? I get into the boot and search in the stroller. No Bun Buns. I make a fatal error at that moment. I'm not an experienced parent three years in, but I decide to make this statement. Ruby, it's okay. We will just buy you another one. 
didn't cut it. Ensure the waterworks. Now, I'm a pastor. I've helped some people through some stuff, but I'm telling you, the grief that started to go down in the backseat of that car was something I have never seen before. I'm like, man, this is, this is out there. So I kind of, I'm, I'm on the back foot. So I said, Ruby, I'll go look for bum buns in the mall. For 30 minutes, I retraced my steps as best I could three times around where we went. I was going up to complete strangers and saying, have you seen Bun Buns? <laughs> They're like, what? I was like, oh, sorry. It's like a soft toy. It doesn't look that great. It's probably been thrown in the rubbish, to be honest, because it looks like it needs to. But it's, no, no, no. I went to six different information booths around that mall looking for Bun Buns at a lost property, hoping and praying that was the case. I'll never forget the walk back to the car when I had to let Ruby know Bun Buns was gone. I'll never forget the ride home because through the absolute sheer screaming and terror in the back seat, we ring Nana over there and we say, we've got a problem, uh, Bum Buns is lost. And so Nana shoots down to the store and she buys 12 different bunnies. <laughs> and Ruby goes through the selection process and none of them were good enough because it wasn't Bun Buns. And I'll never forget it. And you say, well, what's this photo of? Well, truth be told, this is Bum Buns 3.0. <laughs> We've had two deaths in the family, Bun Buns 1.0 and Bun Buns 2.0. And there's a new rule with this Bun Buns, it does not leave the bed anymore because I'm not going through that grief process ever again. But I say all that to say I wonder how many of us see the people we work with, the people in our families. Come on, the people we do life with at sports clubs or shopping centers or where we fill up our car with gas or electricity these days. Wonder how many of those that are yet to discover the wonder of Jesus are longing and waiting for a ruby to bun buns view of them, but are getting a dad to bun buns view. What do I mean by that? For ruby, nothing could replace bun buns because bun buns was of that value to her. Yet when I saw bun buns, it was like, it's okay, ruby, I can just buy another one. So the danger for you and I is we fall into the Pharisees' camp where we say, oh, we'll get to it one day. Yeah, yeah, I met her a conversation, I get it, but it's a bit awkward, or, you know, I'm not sure they're ready, or I haven't been a Christian long enough, or we, we start to reason with ourselves because we don't see the value of what we can bring. And as Jesus put it, we don't understand that actually if it was ours, it's a no-brainer. You would leave the 99 safe one to go after the one lost one. Why? Because it is yours. And I've come to discover how I live in my life determines why I live and then ultimately who I live for. But the danger for you and I is to hear a series like this and get excited and do nothing about it. But I believe this place will be too small to contain the family members, the friends, the, the, the work colleagues that we do life with because we've spurred into action a matter of conversation. So I, I thought I'd kind of just have a, I don't know, I guess a brief look practically for me, for, for all of us, as to what it takes to share my story. Because I love the idea of evangelism that it's simply a matter of conversation. In fact, the Bible says... We overcome by what Jesus did, the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of our testimony, sharing our story. What's your story? Oh, mine's not that good. No, no. What's your story? Because your story is what will 
help you through a matter of conversation overcome. It's the way Jesus designed our lives to be. So it's not about having the right story. It's about having your story. And I want to challenge you. I want to stir you because I think we get the concept. Yeah, yeah, matter of conversation. Yeah, yeah, I'm wearing the found armband. So someone might ask me a question. Yep, awesome. But until you're at a point where you understand what it takes to share your story, I'm not sure you're going to get there. You can buy the T-shirt. You can grab the invite cards. You can do all of the things and have it all ready. But until you, until I, this is what I've learned in my own life, get to a point where God is actually relying on me and I understand that to be true, I'm not sure I'm going to have the courage to have a matter of conversation. So simply put, sharing my story requires these three things is what I've come to discover. Number one, it requires an understanding of the mission. Not just the knowledge, but an understanding. Do you understand what God's called you as a Christian to do? How to live? What you are called to be to people that you work with, that you do life with, that you holiday with, that you have in your family. Do you understand the mission God has for you? We talk about the Great Commission. We'll look at that in a moment. But really, every single one of us has a plan and a purpose in our lives. That's why Next Steps is so important, because it'll help you discover it. But actually, we're also all unified by one purpose, which is to see lost people found, to go on the search and the rescue. We are God's salvation plan. God sent Jesus. Jesus did all he could. Thank goodness for that. But now he looks to you and I to outwork in other people's lives the goodness of God. So here's the question. If I'm to understand God's mission, it's simply this. Are lost people my responsibility or God's responsibility? Until I see them as mine, I don't think I understand the mission God has. In the book of 2 Timothy 4 verse 1 to 5, Timothy is writing and he says this. Hey, it's Timothy here in the presence of our great God, our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who is destined to judge both the living and the dead by the revelation of his kingdom. He goes on to say, I, I, I love this passage. I solemnly instruct you, not the person next to you, but you. This is the word of God. To proclaim the word of God and stand upon it no matter what. Rise to the occasion and preach when it is convenient and when it's not. <laughs> preach when it's convenient and when it is not. Watch this now. Preach in the full expression of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? With wisdom and patience. Have patience for people. Have patience for people with wisdom and patience as you instruct and teach the people. For the time is coming when they will no longer listen and no longer respond to the healing words of truth because they will become selfish and they will become proud. Watch this. They will seek out teachers <laughs> with soothing words that line up with their desires, saying just what they want to hear. Then, finally, they'll close their ears to the truth and believe nothing but fables and myths. So be alert to all these things and overcome every form of evil. Watch this now. Carry in your heart. Not someone else's, but carry in your heart, the passion of your calling as the church planner and evangelist and fulfill your ministry calling. Yeah. We're all in this together. Yeah. 
A matter of conversation is not just some great theme or speaking topic for a few weeks or something we should do as Christians. No, it's the essence of God's plan to see humanity saved. Carry in your heart your plan and fulfill your ministry calling. This is for all of us, and Timothy wanted to drive that home. And you may be here saying, you know what, I get it, but it's hard work. Yep, I get it, I'm, I'm nervous. Yep, I get it, I don't feel like I'm all together. Yep, yep, all of the above. I'm in the same club. But I've come to discover that God's truth matters far more than my opinion. And so I can bring every excuse to the table, but ultimately, God's word instructs us and asks us to understand the mission of seeing lost people found. And the moment you do, I I guarantee you this, you've been a Christian a little while, the moment you are a part of seeing someone else become found is the moment you will never get off that bandwagon. The sheer excitement and understanding that this is what I was created for, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, every human heart has been designed to see people found. And when you do, when you get to play even the smallest part, you come alive in the wonder. And I think heaven will tell. Of all the moments we didn't realize, the conversation we had that amounted to nothing. The conversation that was a little bit awkward, it didn't go to plan. We're going to look back and God's going to say, thanks for stepping out. You know that seed you sown? Someone else watered it. 25 years later, 30, 40, 60 years later, that generation, that family, they're attached to that awkward conversation you had. You know that one where you thought, dang it, I should have said something better? You know that conversation when you thought, man, what a waste. I thought it was, it was, it was time. That conversation changed that family, which changed that generation. And that is why it is so paramount we understand the mission. Secondly, not just an understanding of the mission, but if I'm going to get to a place where I'm comfortable to share my story, it's going to require an urgency with my time. So you and I need to understand God's asking you, not the person next to you, not the more qualified Christian, but you to share your story. But then he wants you and I to live with an urgency with the time. What what do I mean by that? The Bible says this, our life is but a vapor. There I was. Want to know what your life looks like? If you're in Pastor Paul's age bracket, had a little bit more life than me. (laughs) Your life is but a vapor. What you and I do with our vapor very much matters. Don't fall into the trap, well, if I'm just here and gone. One version says, you're here today, gone tomorrow. You're like the steam from a kettle. Oh, well, what's the point? Because if I'm only here. No, no, no. Every moment and every conversation has eternal impact on the other side, but it's up to you and I to live with an urgency of our time. So here's the question. Do I, do you have time for lost people? Here's the deal. I work in church basically 24-7, 365 days a year. So it can be real easy to say, well, I'm stuffed. I'm just with Christians. I have to be so intentional with the urgency of my time that when I turn up to the petrol station, I'm doing my best to go to the same one because I'm going to see Helen there again. 
I'm doing the best with the urgency of my time to carve out moments where I have time for lost people. Because if I'm honest, it can be real easy to not. We've all got busy lives. I've got three young kids. That's busy enough, let alone all the other stuff that goes on. But if you and I don't see our time as limited and don't live with urgency, we won't have time for lost people. <laughs> the moment I realized that Bumbuns was not in the car, I was out into that mall as quick as possible. I'm sure Ruby would still be there if I let her search three years later, <laughs> trying to find that Bumbuns because it mattered to her. But there was no time to waste in that moment for two reasons. Number one, not a real fan of the crying and the whining, so I was out of there. <laughs> but number two, it mattered so much to my daughter that it now mattered to me. Do lost people matter to you as much as they matter to God? If they do, urgency is at the fore. Romans 1 verse 6 in the Message Bible says this, Realize that through Jesus we receive both, not just one, but both the generous gift of life, thank God for that, and the urgent task. And the urgent task of passing on what we've received to others who then receive it, with an obedient trust in Jesus. So Jesus is still saving people, but we've not only received him for ourselves, but the urgent task of now passing it on through a matter of conversation to other people with this unending love, this unending commitment, this unending passion to say, hey, I'm here for you. This grace that's undeniable, this Grace that leads us to a place where we can now bring uncompromised truth. But unless I live with the urgency at hand, I don't think I'll share my story. For me, as a young guy growing up in church, I got the concept of life and life in its abundance when you receive Jesus and that sin, you know, the Bible says sin leads to death and sin's not a great thing. And I developed a view of people who were notorious sinners as people that were bad. But someone put it this way, and it changed my view of how I now lived my life. Sin doesn't just make people bad. Sin makes people dead. So the Bible says any human being can have life in its abundance. All you've got to do is say yes to Jesus. But Christians just see those that haven't discovered the wonder of what they've discovered as Bad, but if we're not careful, that's all we'll see them as. Oh, they'll get it one day. And I wish they would understand that the sin is destroying their life. No, no, no. Sin doesn't just make people bad. It makes people dead. Sin leads to death, but Jesus leads to life and life in abundance. And once I started to see people that way, I started to live knowing that my conversation matters. I started to live with an urgency with my time. So not on just an understanding of the mission, not just an urgency of... My time, but as Nige comes, I don't want you to be distracted. But finally, this thought. You know, I think a sharing of my story requires an unending commitment to lost people being found. What do I mean by that? I have a commitment to lost people being found. But the question I had to wrestle with was, do I have an unending commitment? Oh, well, it's easy for you, Luke. You're a pastor, so you get it. Yeah, to a degree, but to be honest... I'm just like anyone else, and if I'm not careful, I have a commitment, but I think it ends when I don't see a result the way I thought I would see a result. If I'm really honest, I went on a journey before actually this series 
started, I think it was because I was a part of some of the planning with it, so it probably stirred my faith a little bit to think, you know, when was the last time I prayed for those two friends I had in primary school that if I went back and I did check my Bible there, right here in the inside cover, two of the friends I went to primary school with right at the beginning of my life, age of five, played soccer with them to the age of 16 and we went to different middle schools and high schools and so proximity wasn't there and what was an everyday prayer as a young kid passionate about seeing them saved started to drift to every second day and then every week and I guess every month not before long every now and then and I got this conviction a couple of months ago and I thought to myself you know what I'm going to have to admit I I don't know when the last time I prayed for them was. I started to pray for them in that moment, but I felt this conviction to actually find out where they were at in life. Social media is good for finding out where people are at because people like to tell people what they're up to. And so I don't have social media, but I jumped on my wife's and I said, I'm going to try and search these guys out. And I managed to find one of them is living up, Matthew. He's up in the far north of New Zealand, just recently got married, building a house up there. And Brad, he's over with his partner. He was over with his partner in Europe for a few years, just come back and through a series of investigative work was able to get the number of Matt and text him. Said, hey, it's been ages. (laughs) Don't know what you're up to, but I'd love to catch up. Say hey. And so long story short, in the next two weeks, me, Matt and Brad are going to catch up. I reached out to Matt and Matt said, I'd love to. Hey, why don't I see if we can get Brad to come along? It's like, you beauty, he's doing my work for me. And I'm praying that through re-entering relationship, there's going to be the outcome I was praying for every day back then. But if I'm honest, the commitment kind of ended to a point where I kind of, whether it was proximity, life got busy, whatever it may be, I I didn't intentionally give up, but I gave up. And I've come to discover I need an understanding God's asking me. I need to live, as the vapor puts it, with an urgency. And I need to never give up on lost people being found. I love what Matthew 28 says, the Great Commission. Hey, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Help the people to learn of me, believe in me, and obey my words, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to to observe everything that I've commanded you. And lo, watch this. Jesus speaking, hey, realize I am with you always, remaining with you perpetually, regardless of circumstance, and on every occasion, even to the end of age. God is always with us. He's always for us, not against us, but you and I need to live with a revelation. An understanding God's asked us and called us to do this, an urgency with my time, but then an unending commitment because God is with me to see lost people found. Evangelism is not some group project. You know those group projects at school? Have four or five people on it, and if you're a good leader, you could delegate everything and still get the credit for it even though you did nothing. (laughs) We kind of see that as evangelism. Oh, the church will do it. The more Christian person will do it. Oh, that's the pastor's job. No, no, no. All of us have the responsibility to never give up on lost people being found. Someone once put it this way. Hey, realize that we're not alive just to get to death safely. So what if it costs you some pride? 
So what if it costs you some humility? So what if it costs you a few scars? Why do we live as Christians trying to get to death safely? We're all going to die. Sorry, spoiler alert. (laughs) But what we do with the vapor matters so that our lives can make a difference in other people's lives and through conversation, people are set free through the incredible power that is Jesus in and through their lives. And the Bible says in the book of Romans, while you and I were still sinners, while we were at our worst, God did not give up on us. And so we can have the comfort in knowing that the gift is as we read, not just for us, but for others through us, because while we were at our worst, God decided to never give up and even bankrupted all of heaven by sending His one and only Son so that Jesus could live a life perfect and whole, die on a cross so that your sin, my sin, could be forgiven and we could be set free. He did that before you and I did what we did to live in separation. So how much more do we need to live with an unending commitment for other people? We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifeau.org.